0: All right, how's everybody doing? Welcome to Monday. Jesus, Monday, man. It's August 24th. I cannot believe it. This is the time is flying. Hopefully, everybody's doing well. Of course, I'm Mike Jeffers, Chicago Jazz Magazine, ChicagoJazz.com, and Chicago Music Revealed. Weekly, daily, nightly, depending on what everybody's schedule is. This week, we've got a light schedule. We're actually doing a, our show tonight with our special guest, Brandy Younger, who we're going to bring on here in a second, but also. We are doing Thursday, so we are taking off tomorrow, Wednesday, and Friday because in addition to Chicago Music Revealed and Chicago Jazz Magazine, I am also the Director of Programming and Entertainment, as everyone knows, at the soon-to-be opening Epiphany Center for the Arts right here in the West Loop a 42,000-square-foot Art, Entertainment, and Events Center. And we are getting things rocking and rolling, opening up September 11th. Tickets are on sale on EpiphanyShy.com for our first five shows. So you'll have to check that out. I might actually do a special show later this week and just pop on and do a special show just specifically about the announcements and about all the different programming we're going to be doing. But we are COVID safe, limited capacity, and we're setting up a full pay-per-view live stream platform. So anywhere throughout the country, throughout the world, you'll be able to watch concerts from the Epiphany Center for the Arts. So stay tuned for that information. But... Ivy Ford tickets are on sale right now, along with Frank Catalano tickets are on sale right now. So if you head over to EpiphanyShy.com, you can get some of those and uh, be the first. Be the first to purchase some tickets. So, all right. That's enough of the commercial. I appreciate everyone watching, everyone listening, everyone always here. And as I always say, um, stay safe, stay healthy, stay away from each other. And please, please wear a mask. I mean, my gosh, you know, what are we doing here? So we can get out of this situation sooner rather than later. I also like to announce and let everyone know, of course, Andy's Jazz Club. They are doing music Wednesday through Sunday. Visit their website at andysjazzclub.com. And also, Wayne Siegel. Wayne Siegel still keeping the Jazz Showcase rocking and rolling since 1947. And that is still happening Thursday through Sunday over there. So check out the jazz showcase.com for all that information. Now that's enough of the public broadcasting and all of the services and everything else that I have going on here. Um, we need to bring on Brandy Younger and Brandy's. It is a pleasure to have you on. I, I have been a fan for years and uh, I am glad we're finally talking because, you know, I actually played my, my one foray, you know, I'm a musician. I went to North Texas and everything. And I always like to bring that up so that you know that at least I know something about music, but I actually played with Lori Andrews, and I don't know if you know Lori Andrews, who's a a wonderful harpist, but I actually played a couple of gigs with her when she came through Chicago, and just the sound of the harp in jazz and R&B and and soul and everything, it's amazing. So I love what you just put out that just came out in 2019, Soul Awakening, and we're going to talk all about that, but welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and I love Lori. She's absolutely one of my favorite harpists.
0: She's and she's a great person too, which is even more fun, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, it's a pleasure to have you on. Now, before we get into the recording that came out in 2019, and you actually finished recording it in 2013, which we're going to talk about that. But it's a, I'm sure it's a great story. But why don't we talk a little bit about what you have going on? You know, we talked a little bit before we came on, and you actually played probably one of the last performances at symphony center in Chicago before the pandemic shut us down. So, you know, what have you been up to with COVID? I mean, obviously right now, you probably would be slammed like most, you know, professional musicians, touring, traveling, you know, this is the festival season. This is the time to do everything. So how have you been coping and what have you been up to? Well,
1: you know, it's, it's been weird for everybody. This is usually everyone's busy season at least, you know, spring? Yeah, spring and summer. Right. So, I mean, thank God for technology or thank people for technology because without it, you know, I mean, streams have been really working out the best, mm-hmm. you know, lately. Uh, we've been streaming here brunch Friday mornings since about march 19th march 20th so it's it's been a long time
0: you know it's it's uh one of those things and i know you'll probably agree with me but i've talked to so many musicians from throughout the country about how you know if it wasn't for this whole situation that we got ourselves into with covid I don't think musicians would be doing all the technology that they're actually doing. It actually made everybody just kind of take a pause and say, okay, now we've got to figure this out. And I feel like musicians, you know, it's almost like, you know, all of the, all of the great plagues (laughs) in the history of the world, uh, you know, musicians, artists, creatives always somehow come out of it on the other side and something incredible happens. So I feel like all of this technology is bringing us closer together, but also I feel like, and you can answer this because I know that you've been doing this this brunch uh, every Friday. I mean, y- you probably run into a lot more people that are now in your audience base than you would have ever done if you were out playing and traveling because you just wouldn't have had time to put all of this technology stuff together because you'd be so busy, right?
1: Right. You know, we were joking that you have to be a musician, a sound engineer, a videographer, <laughs> a lighting technician. You really have to develop all these skills all of a sudden. Uh, but yeah, it has been good because we have been able to reach folks that that otherwise we we would not have. So
0: yeah, I mean, and that's the uh, that's the amazing thing that I think if there's a silver lining, and everybody that watches this show knows what I'm about to say, but if there's a silver lining, I think that your probably building an audience with casual music fans that never knew who you were, but found you on their stream or found you on the, on the feed. And now they're like probably avid watchers and listeners and hanging out. I hope
1: so. You know, after, you know, we went March, April, May, June, July, after about four or five months of the brunch on Facebook, um, free, we moved to Patreon and I was, Sort of expecting the patreon to just be like my mom, you know <laughs> yeah. our parents, you know, our family, so it was really cool to see like these people that just frequented the brunch that we've never met before um subscribe, so yeah, I mean we're we're grateful it it could be a lot worse. I'll tell you that
0: yeah, well, that's a great concept too the the live stream brunch, man, I love that that's incredible, it's a great idea, so all right. So you're, you're doing that and you put out this recording last year, but, and by the way, I, I listened to a handful of the tracks. I think there's eight tracks on there. I think I got through about five of them and I, I just, I find it fascinating. We should talk a little bit about it, but let's talk about the recording first. And then before I digress and go into harp and music and your background and all that, but Um, I just find it that the sound of the harp and the way that you put the recording together with the different tunes and the different, I mean, there's so many different genres I'm hearing mixed and melded into the, into the recording. Um, You know, how did you, first of all, just think, I remember reading like 2012, it was like it's called soul awakening because it was kind of like the awakening of your band. Right. Is that, that's what I read in the description of it. So talk a little bit about how this recording came about. And then you have all these special guests on it and then why you decided to get it out in 2019, as opposed to putting it out back when it was finished up.
1: Well, that's called poor planning. That's a very quick (laughs) and easy answer, but you know, I recorded this in two pieces. We did one session in Brooklyn at bunker Um, and recorded most of the tracks there. Okay. And, you know, you go through this whole listening period of what, what should we change? What should we add? There are not enough tracks. Then, Desron had a session booked for himself in New Jersey that fell through. So he said, you know what? You're working on this music. Why don't you just come, and you can have the session? So, We recorded, and that was the session with Chris Beck on drums and Robbie Coltrane on Mm -hmm. tenor. And we recorded those tracks there, then back to the whole listening and trying to decide what's going to work, and then life got in the way. The album I didn't feel was ready to put out, but I wanted to put material out because at the time I only had an EP, so this was my first full-length recording, Mm. and... So then I did a live record because it was easy to just do live and put out. And then we did the compilation for Blue Note for Revive Music, and we liked the concept of that. So then the flutist and Drummond, she said, oh, you got to do a record of this. So then we did a record of that. So it's like everything got in the way. Then it got to the point, 2019's coming, and I said, I can't waste this on my hard drive. right. And sitting here it has to get out of my system so I just literally pushed it out last year <laughs>
0: it's got to feel good to actually finally get it out and get it happening right
1: yes yeah, finally like okay you know it's done and it's it's out it's off of my computer
0: yeah you know? right, right how did how did the tunes come about I mean it was it was this like music that you were writing and putting together and and coordinating I mean how did the how did the repertoire come up
1: it it was a combination of uh tunes that I had composed and also I wanted it to reflect my harp heroes, which were Dorothy Ashby, um, we did Games, and Alice Coltrane, we did Blue Nile. Uh Desron produced basically both sessions, and he wrote Sol Solriss, Solris, which was the I think the opening track on mm-hmm. the album. Yep. Um So, yeah, I just wanted it to combine the different things at the time, 2012, 2013, (laughs) you know, the things that were present for me in that moment. I wanted it to reflect that time. However, we got fast forwarded to 2019. And, you know, I I sent it to a lot of people. I said, what do you think? And they said, actually, it it actually sounds timely. So just put it out. So then I just did it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean... I love the sound, you know, the, the harp to me. I've 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 heard Brazilian harpists over the years and they'll they'll play with, you know, with a rhythm section behind it and it it if if you know how to do it, like you know how to do it, it it just fills the sound so much, but it doesn't get in the way of the swing, doesn't get in the way of the feel because it it could be very easily you could play too much and then it would just muffle everything and it wouldn't feel right. When you first started playing even outside of this recording, I mean, how did how did you get interested in playing harp for all of these different styles? And then what was the thought process? I mean, what did you study horn players? Did you study vocalists? Did you study? I mean, because, you know, there's not a lot of harpists, obviously Alice Coltrane. But just to get the feel and to get the understanding of how you can fill the sound, how you can't fill the sound, where it would fit in within which each genre, all of that.
1: Well, it's funny that you asked that because people don't ask, they do ask, you know, how'd you get into playing this and that, but they don't really ask about the sound. And one of my very first gigs that I had when I moved from, um, this was after college. So this was after graduate school when I moved to Brooklyn. Okay. As soon as I finished <laughs> graduate school in the village, I moved to Brooklyn and my very first gig upon moving Was playing in Bill Lee's big band (laughs) and the reason he liked harp is because it wasn't as heavy comping as a piano so it was really in those rehearsals that I learned to kind of find sound wise you know of course competing
0: against the big band (laughs) <laughs> well, it's pro- probably a good way to find but your I... little nooks and crannies, right? If you got a big band there, now you're really figuring it out.
1: Yeah, so that actually helped, helped me to start to understand, you know, comping, actually. Yeah. No one ever asked me that.
0: <laughs> I just, I, I mean, you know, as a drummer myself, I know that when I'm playing with different musicians, um, it's such an important part of the whole thing is to find your space and and that allows you to keep the groove going. And I just find it fascinating because I've you know I've I've heard different harpists, um, classical harpists usually that they're playing and maybe that maybe they're you know trying to do something and it's not quite happening. They've got too much sound. They're just not trained. They're not used to doing that. So I always I'm curious. Like I haven't interviewed a whole heck of a lot of harpists by the way, but <laughs> but but I find it interesting because there's so much sound that could happen. But you have to really pick your spaces and in order for the music to continue to groove and move forward and be appropriate for the genre, you've got to you've, you've got to develop a feel. So did you listen to because I mean, like for, for an example, I've talked to a lot of vocalists that have listened to a lot of horn players to find out their find their feels and find their phrasing. I mean, did you do that same kind of a thing? Did you listen to a lot of other instruments to figure out your phrasing and figure out where you can place things and then kind of delve back in?
1: I think you know bits and pieces, but mostly learning on the spot. Like yeah. with a harp, you play and the sound just rings until it doesn't ring, depending on what harp you're playing. So it's a matter of okay, I have to play and stop that sound. Mm-hmm. And if you don't stop it rhythmically, it sounds off. So yep. so yeah, you start to end up hearing a lot of um, guitar patterns. I think and you hear a lot of piano patterns that you can mimic along the way but yeah a lot of it is just you play and then you stop it. So it's like a double action.
0: Yeah. if you don't want it to just ring into the next chord constantly. Right. Yeah. Well, and also listening to some of the tracks, I mean I've I've listened to other, you know, selections, other other music you've put out obviously, but just specifically about Soul Awakening, um listening to some of the tracks You know, you're adding so much color in behind, like for an example, listening to one of the tracks that Robbie's playing on. I mean, first of all, he's improvising over and adding so much color and everything on top of the melody when he's soloing. But then also you're adding so much color and texture underneath, but none of it's getting in the way and none of it's taking away from the overall uh, contour of the song. So that must be something. And and you recorded this in twenty. 2013 So I mean, you know, fast forward seven, eight years later, you obviously have probably grown leaps and bounds as a musician. At least you can probably hear that. So I mean, what do you, what did, what do you notice like when you go back and you listen to these tracks? And do you do you hear, wow, man, I'm still happy with that. That sounds really good. Or do you hear like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But man, I I understood where I was then, and now I understand where I am now. It's amazing how far along I've gotten.
1: I hear I hear both like there are certain things I was like, wow, I, I don't play that as well now. And then <laughs> everything else is like, dag, if I had only just done this, you know, because a lot of those songs I'm still playing today. Yeah. Um, a couple of them I forgot. And I had to relearn from scratch. I couldn't even find my charts. <laughs> I, had to, I had to relearn from scratch. So it is a process.
0: Well, and, and I find it interesting, too, because we talked a little bit before we came on the air and the people that watch this show will know because I've had I've had a couple of different musicians uh, on in the past couple of weeks that have had like their core rhythm section and then a whole bunch of guest artists that have come on and played on a lot of tracks. And I know from, you know, just putting a trio record out or a quartet record out, that's enough of a project, let alone trying to organize everybody's schedules and trying to organize everybody coming in and then. A lot of this stuff, I would imagine you'd have to rehearse some in order to put it down and lay it down. What was the, I guess my first question on all of this is, you know, you have your rhythm section that you're playing with, at least most of the time on the, on the uh, recording. What was, uh, how did you decide on which, which special guest, I'll call him, came onto the recording and played on specific tunes?
1: So specifically for Antoine Roney, um ravi coltrane i wanted them sort of there in mentor mentor position right yeah it was important for me to have my mentors be a part of this also save the children a really good friend of mine that was i don't know if you heard it that's the that's the track with the vocalist
0: oh yeah yeah I did yes
1: and you know we recorded that for um Jimmy and Nelba Green's uh, daughter, Anna Grace, because that Sandy Hook happened. Yeah, that happened maybe right before that session um, was booked. So I actually recorded that for her. And I remember in not releasing the album, like, should I, you know, what should I do with this one track? You know, I remember being sort of conflicted. So. That's how those guests came about. I really wanted to do Save the Children. I was very self-conscious about trying to pull off a Marvin Gaye tune. <laughs> but that's the tune that spoke to me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. That's it's wonderful. The tune that
1: spoke to me. And uh, Desron's friend, alto saxophonist, Lummy Span, he actually helped me with that arrangement um, ahead of time before playing that. And Nia and is in California. So we did that remote. We did this like this. Oh. <laughs> We did that remotely, and the funniest Uh, of them all was um, Corey Wilcox played trombone. He was the last addition. Desron said, this track, Respected Destroyer, needs trombone. So he came over, and we built a booth for him out of three harps. (laughs) Like, you know, like a nice little booth, and he played into three harps. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) yeah so you know the the one advantage to the long period of time is that it did give me the opportunity to to be able to add certain things
0: to it yeah and to change yeah yeah well i'll tell you it's 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 wonderful that you i mean put it out because how many musicians um especially somebody like you who's traveling and touring and putting so many other things out would even take the time to say, you know, okay, you know what, I'm going to get this thing out. So congratulations on on getting it out, and it sounds incredible. Now, you know, for it coming out in 2019, and it would it had been so long. Did you do a lot of uh, did you tour on this one? Because you had other things coming out too. I think right.
1: There are always other things. I know, happening. right?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there are always other things happening. So um I just threw it all out in there. I didn't I didn't so much tour this this um this album. You know, yeah. we did some concerts, some one-offs. Mm-hmm. But didn't do a, a pro, you know, a proper tour for it.
0: Right, right. Well, and good news, you can't now anyways. So you're not you're not missing <laughs> know, anything. <laughs> well, so let's talk a little bit because I know a lot of a lot of our casual music fans that watch this show and and delve into the podcast as we're as we, as we start putting things out there and it goes out into the internet world here. Um, I just have to ask, I mean, you know, classical, I mean, you must've started classical harp, I would imagine. And then you moved in. What, what drew you into looking at other genres to play, you know, to, to delve into playing harp?
1: Um, all of my training is in classical music, uh, undergrad and graduate school. But I think that I, I kind of knew early on that I didn't want an orchestral career. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted, which explains dipping my hands into so many different pots. So I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted. So I said, you know, I know I don't want to be an orchestral harpist, but let me try this. Let me try that. But also I wanted to play music that I was listening to, whether that was pop, whether that was hip hop. Um, so I did it, I intentionally got into doing hip hop recording sessions. I wanted to do that because that's what I was listening to. it's like, Oh, it'd be cool if harp was on this or this Dorothy Ashby samples on that, you know?
0: (laughs) How Um, how did you connect? How did you, how did you connect into the hip hop scene? Because I was going to ask you, so you beat me to it, but I was going to ask you, I was going to assume that you were probably listening to all these different genres and you're like, why can't I play harp on it? So, but it's one thing to think that then it's another thing to actually engage and go. And then it's another thing to bring a harp to a studio for like a hip hop session or a, or an R&B session or something. That's a whole other animal. So, I mean, how did you, how did you like re- did you just reach out to hip hop artists and say, Hey man, I really dig your music. Let me bring my gigantic harp down to your studio and, and, and jam with you. Do you want the truth? Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> so,
1: okay. Okay. I won't make it sound this bad. So I think in 2006 I did my first top 40, which was for Bad Boy. Remember Bad Boy? Sure, yeah. Um, it, uh, Ryan Leslie was producing Cassie's record, mm-hmm. and I played on that record. So that was my first top forty session. And then this is the funny part. MySpace.
0: Oh no, kidding! I remember MySpace. I was—I think I still have a profile on MySpace.
1: <laughs> I think everyone still has them floating around and has I no idea where it is or what to do with it. I know. <laughs> But that's really, you know, I so I took that track I did for Cassie, some tunes of uh, my senior recital. Um, Nat Reeves was kind enough to play My Funny Valentine with me, and I posted wow. that track. Yeah. You know, and then I posted some like Bach etudes, uh, uh, violin partitas. So my my myspace music page, you know, you could only have like four tracks. Right. Yeah. It was like four very different tracks.
0: <laughs> I love it. And that and that actually, for those of you that are watching this and listening to it that have no idea what MySpace is, MySpace was like the original Facebook, but didn't work very well compared to Facebook. And, and it kind of crapped out after after a little while. And And I guarantee you, it's got to be still up. And none of us have any idea on how to even log in, probably, and even update a page anymore. But... That's that that's amazing. But that used to be really hot. There was a lot of people on there. And I can imagine if you did that recording, that immediately gives you that credibility. When you put it up there, you start getting those views and people start passing around and sharing it. And then so you just started getting connected that way and people started contacting you.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I ended up connecting with Ravi in that way Um, when his mom passed away in the memorial. Uh, was taking place in '07 here at Saint John the Divine. Mm-hmm. I connected with Derek Hodge that way, and that's how I ended up on Commons Record Finding Forever. Like, I, it 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 actually just sounds like a joke, you know. <laughs> Although I guess today it's the equivalent is like, ah, oh, I got that from Instagram. You exactly. know, I guess it's the same thing.
0: Yeah, it is. But I it mean, just
1: seems so crazy because it was my space.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Uh- now you would say you, you DM'd Ravi or you DMed Eric Hodge. You would you know, you <laughs> went down in the DM and that's how you got the gig, you know. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, I mean, and that and that goes to show you. See, that's why I wanted to bring it up, though, because I've heard this story, not not. You're the first on ninety episodes to bring up MySpace. So congratulations. <laughs> but I have heard from so many really, you know, internationally accomplished musicians. It takes, you know, they might play something and they might play on a recording or they might do a do a you know a couple of dates with a with a well-known musician or a well-known group or something. But then they keep <laughs> hustling, they keep pushing, they keep connecting, they keep growing they don't just sit around and wait for people they actually keep putting things out there and that's kind of a key probably right I mean you you can talk to that because everything you're doing you're still doing stuff and you're still making connections because you have to continuously grow as an artist and grow as a in your networking world too I would imagine
1: yeah I think that for for my generation and I don't want to date myself at all here but we have to remember that the industry went from CDs and then Napster happened so quickly that the industry sort of got flipped. So when Napster happened and then, you know, I remember being on, I was an intern at BMG and we're in the meetings and they're talking about like, do you think people would pay for a download? It was like the most (laughs) obscure idea. (laughs) So this was like right before iTunes, but, we, we were like not born into the idea of doing things yourself, but we were so young that it was easy to just transition Yep. to just doing, doing, doing. So even in this pandemic, you know, people are like, wow, you're doing so much. And I was like, what else are we going to do? <laughs> we have to
0: keep going. You That's know? it. That's it. Well, and, th- and that's and that's a great way to, 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 you know, bring up the pandemic and bring up the whole way this entire uh, music business is evolving out of it. Because, you know, it's interesting because I'm um, I got brought on as the director of entertainment programming at the Epiphany Center for the Arts in Chicago that's opening up. And we're doing a pay-per-view platform in addition to the live stuff, but also. I I talked to ASCAP, I caught, talked to BMI about the licensing and everything and they don't have a license that they can give you as a blanket license where we can actually archive concerts and and go back and listen. You can only they only have a live stream. You don't have they don't have a sync license because wow. it happens so fast, nobody even everybody just figured well youtube's got it facebook doesn't even have one youtube's got it and that's the deal and what and all of a sudden when the whole world shut down now they see a need to get that put together but they're they're just moving so slow to get things happen yeah. and that's what happened with napster itunes and everything and that's why all these record labels just didn't know what to do at first and then it happened so fast to your point you know, it was it was on them and they they, they they couldn't adjust fast enough. So it'll be interesting to see how everybody comes out of this and especially record labels and ASCAP and BMI and how they can adjust and take advantage of the fact that all of this music is being put out there on a live stream and a lot of people cannot archive it on their on their websites because they don't have the licensing.
1: Wow. I didn't even know that. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, trust me, I didn't know it either until I started really researching it and I was like this... <laughs> You know, the last thing you want to do is do a pay-per-view and then have it shut off and get sued by ASCAP because you don't have the right license. So I did a lot of deep dive. But to your point about Napster and all that stuff and kind of where everything is, the, the technology changes so fast, a lot of times the music business can't keep up. So it'll right. be interesting to see what happens. But the artists, like yourself, doing a a brunch... And doing a live stream, connecting with all these audiences and putting out a recording during a pandemic. Well, a little bit before a pandemic, but it's still chugging along in a pandemic soul awakening. I mean, that just shows you I think there's going to be good stuff on the other side of this. Now, before I let you go, let's plug uh, Patreon. I know you said that you're on Instagram and Facebook all the time. So we want to send everybody over there and we'll link all that up. But let's talk about Patreon. How can people find you on Patreon if they want to watch the brunch and they want to tune into that?
1: They can do a simple search of my name, uh, or they could do harp and bass. Um, But my name, Desron Douglas, and we're doing more than we usually do. So we're doing the brunches, we're posting some songs, posting some concerts, posting some teaching aids, which we never do. So that's fun. And on August 27th, I'll be doing a live stream in honor of Alice Coltrane's birthday, on her birthday, right there in the home studio
0: wow oh that's so i'm
1: super excited so that's august 27th at 7 p.m from the coltrane homes facebook page
0: wow that'll be that'll be really cool so that's going to be on the coltrane home facebook page that's going to be on their facebook on the coltrane facebook page okay well that's great and uh, i mean you know the fact that you can maneuver you're constantly continuing to create and everything i mean you know it's 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 great to see and it's great that you know Music is pushing everything forward. And to your point, I love what you said to your friend or whoever asked you, you know, you're doing so much. Well, it's like, what else am I supposed to be doing? Right. You can't hide underneath your bed until the until they come up with a vaccine. So I would suggest somebody wear, you know, wear a mask and go get something happening. So that that's great. Well, Brandy, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and congratulations on the recording. But congratulations on on the Patreon platform because I know a lot of people that are on that, and it's very successful. And then also, we're looking forward to August twenty seventh on the Coltrane Facebook page, and we'll link that up as well. And I'm glad we're connected now, and it was it, we figured out Skype, and everything looked great, and we're ha- happening.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Oh. So much.
0: And definitely. Oh, it was great. And keep me posted on anything else you have happening. We're, we'll definitely make sure everyone here in Chicago and all of our other listeners around the country are, are aware of it.
1: I will. Thank you. All
0: right. Thanks. Pa- thanks, Brandy.
1: Take-
0: so, Randy Younger, so I'm going to tell everyone, I mean, I, I took a listen to some of the tracks, and I'm going to go do a deep dive. I know I always say that, but I, I am, and I was impressed. I love the sound of harp when it's done really well in jazz and funk and, and R&B and all that stuff. So I'm going to link everything up below. We'll send it out on Chicago Jazz Magazine, ChicagoJazz.com, and all that good stuff. But Brandy Younger, so soulawakeningbrandyyounger.com. You guys saw the link on there. And then I'll we'll link up the Coltrane page, too, because August 27th, that's going to be exciting. She's going to be playing in the home studio, um, wow, for Alice Coltrane's birthday. So congratulations to uh, her. And, uh, man, it was fun having her on. I, I I was looking forward to talking to her because, you know, I have questions about uh, instrumentalists who play instruments that are not always like sax based drums, because I'm just curious to find out how they evolved as a musician and how they're able to work with, you know, these types of instruments. I mean, harp in jazz and R and B and funk and hip hop and all that stuff. She, she kills it. So BrandyYounger.com, Facebook, Instagram, you can find her there, Patreon. And uh, thanks to her for being on the show. Now I'm going to let everybody know we will be back on Thursday, programming note thursday we were going to do a couple of shows tomorrow and wednesday but things are just moving too fast my schedule is getting too crazy over at the epiphany center this week so thursday we'll be back with chicago blues and beyond dave katzman we're going to be announcing our special guest for thursday coming up probably in the next day so be aware of that of course head over to epiphanyshy.com tickets are on sale they're on sale so and we're going to be announcing more and more shows. We've got Yvonne Gage is going to be playing for our Voices of Chicago. Frank Catalano is going to be playing on the 17th for our Jazz Chicago Jazz Series. We've got, and you saw him last Friday, we've got Johnny Iguana for our Delmark Records night during our Blues Series. And we've got, who else do we have? Oh, The Crown Vic Royals are going to be playing on September 20th. Rick Lindy is going to be playing on September 13th. All those tickets are up on sale and ready to go at epiphanyshy.com. So hopefully somebody picks up a ticket and we see you live and in person down at Epiphany Center. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting that whole thing happening. But as usual, I thank everyone for watching, everyone for listening, everyone for staying safe, staying healthy, staying away from each other. Please wear a mask. We're going to get out of this sooner rather than later. All the past episodes, chicagomusicreveal.com. If you like what you're here, as I always say, tell your neighbors, tell your family, call the grandkids. Chicago Music Reveal will be back here on Thursday, 6 p.m. Until then, I will see you on the next broadcast.